This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. It is really nice to see you today. Uh, My name is Kevin. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'll be at the Develop Kiosk after church, and I'd love to talk with you and get to know you a little bit. Uh, It's going to be a great morning today. A few things you're going to want to get out of your program just to start off, right from the beginning. This will help you with your morning. You want to get your teaching notes out. Your teaching notes will give you the scriptures we're looking at. I actually threw in a few bonus scriptures after I printed the notes, so you'll just take some notes, write them on there. Uh, You're welcome. It's a little gift from me to you. And uh, this will help you throughout the week, help you follow along, help you keep this stuff fresh, because the truth is, if we hear uh, from God and then forget about it, the next day it doesn't actually do anything for us. We need to be meditating on this stuff, chewing on it. And so these teaching notes will help you with that. The other thing you're going to want to grab right now, right up front, is uh, this thing right here. It's called our Spring 2012 Life Groups brochure, and it has all of our 27 different life groups inside of it. Today marks the beginning of our Life Group Promotion Month, and I am super excited about that. We have 27 different life group offerings for you guys to sign up for, to get excited about. You might be thinking, what on earth is a life group? That's a great question. If you haven't been around here for any period of time, you wouldn't know what one is. Here's what a life group is if you're new with us. A life group is simply a gathering of people. We meet together for right around 12 to 13 weeks, once a week, and we study some aspect of what it means to follow after God, to experience the life we were created for. And like I said, we have 27 different life groups that meet together uh, throughout the week, some on Sunday all the way through to I think we have uh, one on Saturday morning as well. So we have them every day of the week this round. And we have groups about everything. We have groups on different books of the Bible. We have groups that are by Christian authors, books by Christian authors that talk about Christian living and what it means to follow God in some specific area. Uh, We have men's groups. We have women's groups. If you are a parent, we have groups that are combined for you and your kids. So if you have 6 to uh, 11 or 12-year-olds, we have a group of parents and kids together uh, that's working through some stuff together. If you have junior hires and high schoolers, uh, we have a group uh, that is going to meet on Sunday nights that's all about... Um, evidence of the reality of God, the reality of the Bible, which is a great thing for you because they say that one of the reasons that kids leave the faith in college is because they don't have a firm grasp in the evidence uh, that there is a God. And then they meet a professor that tells them, uh, you know, that's just not true, and they believe their professor because obviously professors know everything because they're working at state college. So obviously they are uh, they're the epitome of all wisdom and knowledge. And I worked in college ministry for six years before coming here, and I can tell you it's true. Uh, kids walk away from God all the time because they don't have a firm foundation. So that group would be great for you. Another group that I'm going to highlight is uh, Financial Peace University. I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go on this morning. But what I want you to do even now is just be looking through. You're going to have a few minutes later on to pick a group, but look through. Uh, The groups are separated by day of the week. Find a group that might be right for you, and I'll tell you how to sign up in a little bit. Here's one thing I will say. Uh, We had our newsletter go out this week, and we already have right about 115 people signed up for life groups, which is really exciting. I mean, we haven't even officially launched yet, and we already have 115 of us signed up. That means two things. That means some of you guys took initiative, and that's incredible. That also means that some of our groups are already close to filling up. So you want to pick your group today. You want to find the group that's right for you so it doesn't fill up and close down, because once we hit about 15, 16 people, we generally shut our groups down because we don't want to overwhelm the group. So make sure you find uh, the right life group. And you won't offend me if you, uh, if you look through that while I'm talking. So go ahead and do that. You'll offend me down front, those of you who laughed right there. You'll offend me if you do it. But the rest of you, go ahead, have fun. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I'm really excited. We are in this series called Recovery Road, and it's all about 
experiencing financial freedom, experiencing the life in your finances that you were created for. Uh, we are doing a two-year, what's called a take-hold initiative, which uh, comes from 1 Timothy 6.12, where Paul says to Timothy, take hold of the eternal life that you were called for. Basically, he says, don't let life pass you by. Don't be an observer. Take an active role in your life. And so this year, we're going to focus on four key areas of life that we're specifically going to try to take hold of individually and as a church. And then next year, we're going to have four other key areas. So over the next two years, we're going to have eight areas of life that we're really working on. And we're starting with financial freedom because the truth is, Finances are one of the things that lock us in slavery. Kind of more than anything else, finances seem to be rocking our society, rocking our world. As we head into year five of this uh, recession, it doesn't seem like things are getting better as quickly as we want them to. And so we're saying, you know what, we're not going to wait for the government to fix it. Uh, We're not going to wait for uh, other people to get our problems fixed. We're going to start fixing them ourselves because God talks a lot about finances. So we're going to jump into that. Here's what I'm really excited about. I'm not an expert in money. Ron's not an expert in money. God is an expert in money, and God uses certain people who are experts in money. And one of the people that God used is a guy named Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey wrote this incredible teaching series that we're going to be using for the next four weeks, talking about biblical principles for financial freedom. And then Dave Ramsey also put together something called Financial Peace University, which is that life group that I was telling you about. It's 13 weeks long. And you're going to hear uh, the what, and you're going to hear the why, but you're not going to hear too much of the how here on Sunday morning because we don't have enough time to break out the how to do the things that he's talking about. Financial Peace University breaks out the how for you. It talks about the what, it talks about the why, it talks about the how. And so I'd encourage you, we have nine different Financial Peace University groups. We're calling them FPU for short because Financial Peace University just gets me tongue-tied. So we have nine different FPU groups to sign up for. Find the group that's right for you if this stuff is, is clicking with you, but you just have questions about the how. That'd be an incredible group for you. So let's talk about money a little bit because money's fun. It really is, right? Money is fun if you've got it. If you don't got it, it's a little less fun. But money is fun. Money in and of itself is kind of a cool thing. You can do some cool stuff with money. You can have some fun with money. You know, you can, you can just have a good time if you got it. The problem is most of the people in our country don't got it. And so it's not fun anymore. People act like they're having fun. They might look like they're having fun. But when they're too scared to go to the mailbox in the afternoon because they know that the credit card bill is sitting there, money's not fun anymore. And God wants money to be fun for us. But some sources say that 70% of Americans, 70% are living paycheck to paycheck. And man, when you get there, money stops being fun. So if we look around this room, if it holds true in our church, that means 7 out of 10 families in this church are living paycheck to paycheck. That means you are, uh, your, your business going under. You're one month away from having nothing. Uh, you're one month away from uh, losing your job and being completely bankrupt. No house, no car, no retirement. You're living paycheck to paycheck. And when we get there, it's not fun anymore. But God wants money to be fun. And everyone struggles with money. To some extent, we all do. That's why the Bible talks about money a lot, because we all struggle with it to some level or another. Let's be totally honest. Raise your hand if you've ever done something dumb with money. Yeah, yeah, we have some very honest people. A couple of guys raised both hands. A couple of you, uh, obviously, you didn't understand the question because we've all done something dumb with our money. When I graduated from college, my first two years out of college, I was making $12,000 a year. Yeah, I was rich. I could never imagine making $12,000 a year. You know what this is like. You go from working McDonald's to holding down a check of $1,000 a month. 
That's incredible. I was, I was blown away. I didn't know what to do with all the money I had. So I decided this is what I should do. I'm a pretty cool guy. I should buy a motorcycle. That's just a really good idea for me to do. So I bought this old 1970s Honda motorcycle that barely went about 60 miles an hour. And it was, it was a junker, but I loved it. By the time I got my helmet and got my cool biker gear, uh, got my permits, you know, got it registered. By the time I had done that, I had spent about a quarter of my annual income on a bicycle, uh, on a motorcycle. And then I started to ride the motorcycle. And here's what I realized. This is where the dumb comes in. I'm scared of motorcycles. <laughs> I'm, I'm really scared of them. I'm not a good driver, by and large. And I like having walls around me when I drive. Every time I rode my motorcycle, I don't care if it was 10 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour, all I could think of was what if the front tire blows and I just go flying over the top. And it scared me, so I stopped riding the motorcycle. So now I had this thing that cost me one-twelfth of my annual income just sitting in a garage, not doing anything with it. I ended up giving it to some guy, and it was such a junker motorcycle that he just, I think, sold it for parts later on. He couldn't even ride it. Um, But we've all done dumb with money before. Some of you have done dumb with a lot more zeros behind it than others, but we've all done dumb with our money. And if you're worried about money right now, if you're stressing out about money, if you don't know how you're going to pay for your kid's tuition, if you don't know how you're going to pay for your re- or have retirement later on, if you don't know how you're going to pay medical bills or pay rent or pay your mortgage, you are normal because the sad reality is that broke is the new normal in our society today. Worried, anxious about money is the new normal. You're not alone, even though the devil wants you to think you are alone. He wants you to think you're the only one dealing with this. He doesn't want you to look around this room and realize maybe 70% of us are dealing with these same issues right now. He wants you to hide in a corner. He wants you to freeze up because of fear and anxiety. He wants you to shut down. He wants you to isolate. He wants you to get depressed. He wants you to think that there's no way out and that life is always going to be this way. This is the great lie of the enemy when it comes to money and our finances is that we can never break out of this cycle. We can never break out of this pattern. We're always going to be this way. We're victims of our lives. But God tells us that we're not victims that we're active participants, that this life is for us, that we can take hold of it, that we can change this game of life that we're living because we have God working and dwelling and moving in us. But money problems are huge, and they're widespread. I heard a a statistic that money is the leading cause of divorce in our society today. Money issues, money problems, fights around money as the leading cause of divorce And here's the scary thing. It's not getting any better with the next generation. College students are reporting record high credit card bills. They're already in debt at the time. They're 18, 19, 20, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. From 1998 to 2008, almost 15 million people filed for bankruptcy in our country. In 10 years, almost 15 million people. This is widespread. But last week, Ron reminded us that Money in and of itself is not the root problem. And money in and of itself is not the root solution. Listen, if you're worried because you have no money, and then all of a sudden you get a lot of money, you're still going to be a worried person. You're just going to worry about different things. If you have no money, you're worrying about how you're going to pay for things. If you have too much money, you're worried about who's going to try to take your money later. See, money is not the issue. We're the issue, right? We need to look in the mirror, and we need to get a control of the person in the mirror, and then we'll get control of our finances. Our problem is not lack of money, at the root anyway. Our problem is a lack of hope. 
We don't believe things can change. Our problem is bad choices that we're making with our finances, with our lives. And we're going to hear about someone who made some choices and then had to dig himself out. But he and his family did it a little bit later on this morning. And then what happens is we make stupid choices. And I don't mean to be rude or offend you, but we do. We all do dumb sometimes with our money. We make dumb choices and then we blame other people when those choices come to fruition in our lives. We say, well, it's their fault. It's the government's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's, you know, it's the loan company's fault for giving me that mortgage. It's everybody else's fault except for me. And we try to avoid pain, but the truth is pain is a good teacher. That's why what I said last week to you after Ron finished his sermon, I said, hey, let this sting a little bit. Let it slap you across the face a little bit because pain is a good teacher. Pain draws us to God. Pain draws us to our knees in prayer. Pain makes us realize that we can't do it all on our own. And so we need to embrace the fact that there's something deep going on here, and that's a little bit painful. And not try to pass the buck, not try to give it to somebody else, not try to uh, allow someone else to take the blame. We need to accept it because we are the problem, but at the same time, we are the solution. God can use us to fix the problem. Dave Ramsey says that, uh, having good personal finances is 80% um, behavior and 20% knowledge. So you don't have to know everything to have good personal finances. You just have to do what you know. That's why, again, Ron reminded us that road to recovery begins with we. It doesn't begin with they. It begins with doing the things that we know to be true, the things that God says about money. And God says a lot about money. Did you know that there are over 800 passages in the Bible about money? So if you have questions about money, you can pretty much guarantee God has answers about money. The fact is, Jesus taught more about money than he did about pretty much anything. He taught more about money than he did about heaven. He taught more about money than he did about hell, than he did about sin, than he did about salvation. Jesus has a lot to say about money. And the question we should ask when Jesus says so much about money is why? Why does he talk about money so much? Because I think we get confused. Right? We hear that there's a sermon on money and we leave our checkbooks at home because we're afraid the church is going to try to get more of it. Uh, we hear that there's a sermon about money and we think, well, you know, that's for them. That's not for me. That might be good for that person, but that's not what God wants me to do. But the truth is, God says, Jesus says that money is a window into our soul. Money is a window into our heart. He says, hey, give me your credit card statement. Give me your debit card statement. Give me your checkbook and I'll tell you what's important to you, what you value, what your life is about. See, for Jesus, our money is really a great indicator for our lives, for where we're at, for our hearts. And money is key to understanding what it means to follow after Jesus. And so this morning, I want to talk about five biblical principles for healthy finances, for Christian finances. And these all come from Dave Ramsey. And again, this is going to be a brief overview of what you're going to get if you take Financial Peace University. But Dave says there are five key principles for biblical finances, and you'll see them in your notes. The first one is this, get out of debt. Get out of debt. And again, I want to say the stuff in the Bible is not hard to understand. It's just hard to do. Get out of debt makes a lot of sense. Get out of debt is easy to understand. It's just hard to do. But he says get out of debt. Romans 13, 8, Paul says this. We'll have it up on the screens. He says, let no debt remain outstanding. Have no debt except the continued debt to love one another. For anyone who loves others has fulfilled the law. Now think about that. 
Paul says very clearly in Romans, don't let any debt, any debt be among you except the debt to love other people. The author of Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 22, 7. He says, the rich will rule over the poor. And we see this on a regular basis. The rich will rule over the poor. And I want you to underline this next phrase. The borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. Jesus came to this earth so that we could be freed from slavery, from bondage in all forms. And yet, according to Proverbs, uh, one of the key things that brings slavery is debt. So the question is, if Jesus has freed us from all forms of slavery, why would we put ourselves back into the slavery of debt? You might be thinking to yourself, no way, debt's no big deal. Everybody has debt. Friends, I want to challenge us. Everybody is dumb right now. Everybody has money issues right now. Everybody is in slavery right now. Why do we want to be like everybody? That's crazy. I don't want to be like everybody. I don't want to do dumb anymore. I want to do smart from now on. And smart is to get out of debt. If you don't think you're in debt, to, 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 if you don't think you're in slavery to debt, ask yourself this question. Do you get excited when your credit card bill comes? Does that excite you? Does that make you happy? Is it like getting a Christmas card or a birthday card? All right, my credit card bill is here. Of course not. Nobody likes seeing their slave owner, right? You are in slavery to your credit card bill because you're in slavery to debt. But now imagine a life with no debt, with no monthly payment. Imagine a life where you were just putting money away, saving, investing, giving generously. Where would you go? Where would you guys go? Where would you and your spouse go or your friends go on vacation? What would you do? Who would you serve? Who would you give to? What would life be like if you weren't worried about debt all the time? So the first thing we have to do is get out of debt. And how do we do it? Well, we need to start acting our wage. We got to start acting our wage, people. My parents, Mike and Virginia Finkbeiner, just told me recently that they're taking a trip to the Cayman Islands coming up here. And they were telling me all about it. I got to tell you, my parents could sell timeshares because uh, by the time they were done, I wanted to go to the Cayman Islands, man. Sign me up. I want to go. I want to go scuba diving. I want to rent a top, uh, uh, top whiskey. You say top, a topless Jeep. What do you call that? A convertible Jeep? You know, I do. I want to cruise around the island in style. I want to get my tan on. By the time they were done talking about it, I wanted to go to the Cayman Islands. And this is a major problem for my generation. People in their 30s, people in their 20s, we want everything that our parents have. We want the boat, the trailer, the vacation, the beach house, the big house with four or five bedrooms. We want everything our parents have, but we want it now. We don't want to wait 40 years for it. We don't want to work our entire lives and save for it and pay cash for it. We want it today. And so what do we do? We charge it and we go into debt. One of the key things that we need to learn, and I, I'm speaking to myself here, I'm speaking to my generation, and if you find yourself in this situation, I'm speaking to you. We need to learn how to act our wage. If you can't afford a five-bedroom house, don't buy a five-bedroom house. Buy a two-bedroom house. Buy a one-bedroom house. I've traveled around the world. I've seen families of seven or eight living in one bedroom. It's possible. Might not be comfortable, but it's possible. Act our wage. Don't charge it anymore. Proverbs 21.20 says this 
about wise people and fools. He says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. They take it and they take it and they want more and more and more. They don't know how to be content with what they have. And Timothy has become one of my big books for the year. But look at what 1 Timothy 6, 6 says. Paul is talking to this young Christian leader and he says to him, godliness with contentment. And that's the key. Contentment is great gain. So the question for us is, am I willing to act my wage? Am I willing to look at what my parents have and say, hey, my parents spent 50 years to get there. I'm in my early 30s, or I'm in my late 30s, or my early 40s. I am not where they are. I need to be content with where I am. I don't need to charge it. I don't need all the vacations. I need to act my wage. If you do that, in the long run, when, you're, when you are your parents' age, or for those of you who are at that age already, you can attest to this if you've lived this way, you're going to be living differently than the rest of the world. You're going to have money saved up. You'll be able to take those vacations, and you'll be the envy of your friends who are all in debt because you'll be debt-free because you acted your wage. So we need to get out of debt. we got to start acting our wage. We need to only do the things we can afford to do. Some of you are wishing you would have heard this before Christmas. We only need to buy the presents we can afford to buy, right? Uh, my birthday is February 24th, so put that into practice in March. I want you to start that in March. No, no, put it into practice now, family. Uh, and so how do we know what we can afford? That should be the next logical question. If we're getting out of debt and if, if we're acting our wage, if we're only purchasing the things we can afford, how do we know what we can afford? Well, we need to get on a budget. I know, it's the B word. Nobody wants to hear the B word, especially not in church, but we got to get on a budget. Like I said earlier, people have a propensity to do dumb stuff, and then we want to pray and ask God to fix it. What if we started doing smart stuff instead of doing dumb stuff? For example, some of you said, you know what, I'm going to go on a diet this year. All right, that's great. I love the guy who says, I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year. That's incredible. But what, what, I, what I don't understand is the guy who says, I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year, and then on January 2nd heads to McDonald's, because he's like, man, this diet is killing me. I am starved. It's like 10.45 in the morning. I can't even handle this anymore. I'm, my, I'm wasting away. And he gets to McDonald's, and that big sign is there with the arches just beckoning him home. And he sees, oh, man, I'm going to do it. Two Big Macs. Those look delicious. I'm going to get some fries. And you know what? We better supersize those bad boys. The way that oil just drips off those golden fries. Mwah, it's just so good. Let's wash it down with a chocolate shake. And then he goes to his table, and he puts that delicious goodness in front of him. And he says, Lord Jesus... Thank you for this bounty. All this incredible goodness that you put in front of me, this cornucopia of greasy goodness is so wonderful. And here's what I ask you, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that you would use this food to bless my body and to help me lose weight this year. God's not going to answer that prayer. He can't bless that food to your body. That food's going to kill you. What are you talking about? You should say, Lord Jesus, thanks for bringing me home early because I'm eating all this delicious food. We do dumb stuff, and then we ask God to bless it. But God wants us to be faithful with the stuff we have, and then he'll bless it. That's how God works. He says, be faithful with what you have, and then I will bless it. In Luke 16, 10, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. 
the Bible says God is your loving Father. And your loving Father is only going to give you more of what you can be trusted with when you have a little. Your loving Father is not going to give you something that you're going to squander away. So if you want God to bless your finances, know where your money is going and be faithful with it. And here's what a budget is. As simple as I can put it, a budget is just a plan on paper that lets you know if you're being faithful with your money. You ever feel like your money just walks away from you and you don't know where it went? It's like, my money went running this month. I don't know where it went. A budget tells you where your money goes. And better than that, a budget lets you tell your money where to go. A budget lets you put your money in certain categories and say, this is the money I'm going to spend here. This is the money I'm going to spend here. Because if we don't have a budget, our money just runs away from us. So let's be faithful with the little bit of money that we do have. And then God will bless us in our finances. Some of you are thinking, that's a great idea, but maybe you're like I was, uh, I gotta be honest, like I still am, but I'm working on it because my wife is our finance person, and before her, I lived with a guy who was a finance guy. They did my budget for me, but I'm working on getting to know my budget. Maybe you're like me, and you're saying, that's a great idea. I have no idea where to start. I have no idea where to start. Here's what I want you to do. On your Connect cards, it says, applying today's sermon, and I put a little note on there that says, I will create and begin working on a budget. Mark that down, and I'm going to give you some online resources, some online tools to creating a budget. If you have no idea where to start, mark your card. I'll get you some tools to help you start a budget. So you can start your budget this week, so you can tell your money where to go. So now we've got our budget, and the next thing we need to start doing as we work our way out of debt, as we begin to act our wage, as we get on a budget, the next thing we need to start doing is saving and investing. Towards the end of the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, a man named Joseph has has come to power under the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. He's come to power. He's a God-fearing man. He's a Jewish man. And God says to Joseph, listen, Joseph, you're going to have seven years of plenty, seven years where there's an abundance of stuff, but then you're going to have a major famine for seven years. And notice what Joseph does in verse 35 of that chapter, of chapter 41. Joseph tells the people, collect all the food in these good years. And store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon the land. Underline that part, that will come upon the land of Egypt. So that the country may not be ruined by the famine. If we're going to really experience financial freedom in our lives, we need to save. We need to save in a few different areas. We need to save for emergencies because the question is not if an emergency will come in my life. The question is when. Not if my car will break down. It's when is my car going to break down. Or when am I going to need to get braces for a kid? Or when am I going to need to go to the emergency room and and have a broken arm fixed? You know, or when am I going to need to start paying uh, for care for my aging parents? The question is not if these things will come. The question is when will they come? And wisdom says that we should be saving and investing for those things because they will come into our lives. If you're not saving and investing, here's what's going to happen. An emergency is going to come. A tragedy is going to come. Something's going to come that costs you money. You're going to need to get new tires on your car. You're not going to have any money. So what are you going to do? You're going to charge it. And you're going to go right back into debt. So we need to begin saving and investing. One idea that Dave Ramsey has that he lives by, he swears by, he says pay for everything in cash. Save up for things and pay in cash. And he says this is why. He says Americans on average spend 12 to 18% less when they pay cash. And this is why he says we pay 
we spend less when we pay cash. He says it's easy. He says if you swipe your card, you don't feel it. If you hand someone $50, you feel it. It's like, wow, $50. And then you start doing the math on how much that is per hour that you just gave away, right? how much of your job you just spent to get those new tires or to get those 20 cheeseburgers or whatever it is, you know? So he says, save up for things. You want something? Great. Have fun. Get things. Save up for them and then pay for them in cash. You want a car? Save up for that car for the next five years and then pay for it in cash. He says you'll get a better deal anyway if you pay for cash than if you finance it. So he says save up and pay for everything in cash. And then the third thing that we should be saving for is we should be saving and investing for our future. I don't know about you, but unless you're retiring or going on Social Security starting tomorrow, uh, you might have some fears like me that Social Security will even be there when you get old enough to collect it. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to trust the government to take care of me when I get older. I'm starting to save now for when I'm 60, 70, 80, so I have money there so that I don't outlive my bank account, so that I'm not 80 years old trying to go back and find a second job, so that I'm not trying to figure out how to put food on my table when I'm 85 or 90 years old because I got a good feeling. My family lives a long time. Okay, we, we outlive our hair a lot of the time, so... Uh, so I got a good feeling I'm going to be here for a while. I don't want to be broke at the end of my life. And so wisdom would say save and invest for emergencies, save up and pay for things in cash, and then save and invest for the future. And then finally, uh, the Bible says we should give. I said earlier that money is really fun if you got it. And I would say that one of the most fun things to do with your money and one of uh, the most powerful things to do with your money is give it away. Give it away. Give it away to a good cause. Give it away to a ministry that God is blessing. Give it away to help someone in need. Give that money away. And I actually spent a lot of time on this topic last fall. We did a sermon series called New Testament Challenge. I talked about the challenge of generosity. If you didn't hear that sermon, write down challenge of generosity and look it up uh, on the website. You can listen to that podcast there because I laid out the biblical principles for generosity, why God calls us to give. So I'm not going to give a ton of information about that now. That's why I laid it out in the fall for you. Uh, it's the challenge of generosity. You can write that down in your notes and you can listen to it. But the truth is God wants us to give. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, you can write this down and do a little study on it at home. It's one of the few places outside of the Gospels we see Jesus talking. And Jesus says in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So ask yourself the question, what does it mean to have a more blessed life? What does it mean that God doesn't want me just to be blessed, but to be more blessed? And how does giving play into that? Here's what I'll leave you with in terms of giving, because I don't want to spend too much time on it. If you give, I can guarantee you will see God's hand moving in your life. If you give generously, you'll see God's blessing in your life in incredible ways. And if you start practicing that, make it a regular routine, make it a habit, it will grow to become one of your favorite things to do with your money. I guarantee it. That's just the way that it is. So what do we do? We get out of debt. We act our wage. We create a budget. We save and we give. And some of you are sitting here thinking, you're right, that's not hard to understand, but that is really hard to do. Who can do this? Who can live this way? I want to tell you, you can live this way. The power, the, the power of God is that he gives us the strength to live the kind of life that he calls us to live. He doesn't want us to be in debt. He doesn't want us to be slaves. He wants us to be free. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us live this way. 
And I want to tell you there are families in our church who have taken Financial Peace University already, and they're already living this way. They're doing this, and it's incredible in their life. And I've actually asked a friend of mine to come up and share the story of his family as they've been following after God in this area and their finances. And you guys all know this person. You see him on stage on a regular basis. But I doubt very much that many of you know his story. So would you join me in welcoming up Justin? Thanks, Kevin. Hi, my name is Justin, and I've done dumb. Hi, Justin. <laughs> you know, I'm like, probably might like most of you. Um, I actually was doing a couple of those things on there pretty good, and, but I signed up for a lot of debt. And um, kind of our story is we decided we wanted to get a house, and so we did, and we got a home equity line of credit in order to, you know, help get that house. And then I thought I was going to be really smart. Sometimes being smart is really dumb. I thought I'd be really smart. So I'm going to put um, some of that high-interest uh, home equity line of credit on credit cards, on low-interest credit cards. Well, then they reassessed my house and said, oh, your home equity line is too high. It was, by the way, it was dumb to get the home equity line to begin with. I'm just going to clarify that. That's the first dumb thing. Um, and now I'm stuck with eight or nine credit cards uh, that I have to pay off before the interest jumps or whatever. And so I, we just, you know, we were kind of doing this dance with those for a while. And we were finally in a spot where we just were fine paying a little by little every month. And that was fine for us, uh, you know. We'll just get there eventually, right? It's house debt. So, I mean, it doesn't really count, right? Um, so, uh, started listening to Dave and um, decided to take FPO, and we decided, as of January of last year, we decided we still had $40,000 of debt, but we decided we are going to pay that off. We're going to just hammer that out. We're sick of being slaves, and we're going to pay off $40,000 in three years. That's our goal. Um, we're only one year into this right now, but um, since we've been applying these principles, since we've been doing all five of the things on there, not just two or three, um, we have already in this year, in one year, we've paid off $18,000 in debt. Yeah. We are, if we really, really attack it, we're on track to finish by the end of this year, all 40. Yes. That's a big deal. It's hard. It's crazy hard. Okay? I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. It's not even fun. Okay? But it was. it is so satisfying to be able to go, wow, to look at the year and go, wow, we did $18,000. And it just makes you more excited about finishing that off and finishing strong. And, you know, that's our story. And this is, you know, it's continuing on. And I don't know. I hope that come next year I can tell you. We're out of debt. We're debt-free, and I can go on Dave's radio show, and we can scream. We're debt-free and everything. Um, that's my hope. But, you know, the reality is, you know, even when we think we're kind of doing some of these things, if we're only doing some of them, if we're only doing it halfway, if we think we're smarter than we are, we end up making bad decisions. And so that's why I um, took FPU. That's why I decided... Um, to, to be a part of that. Jessica and I did it together, and I encourage everybody to do that uh, because, really, you will get that 20% of knowledge that you need, 
But what you're really going to get is the motivation and the support to change the behavior so that you can accomplish those goals. So I'm excited about FPU this year, and I hope that you guys can be a part of it. Um, I will address one thing. Everybody goes, wow, $100. That's a lot of money per family. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. Somebody help me break it down. It's less than $8 a week to get the knowledge you need to pay off $18,000 or $40,000 or pay off your house early or stop spending everything you get. All of those things. I mean, it really is a, a minute amount of money. So I just encourage you, if you can be a part of it, I'd love to partner with you. Love to do this together with you. And uh, let's, uh, let's implement this stuff and let's change our family trees. All right? Thank you. I've had the privilege of, of walking with Justin through this last couple of years and watching him make these choices. And it's not easy. He, they're a single income family. He works a couple jobs to make it happen, but he's doing it. They're doing it. It's incredible. It's a testament to God's goodness. I can tell you, this will not be easy for you if you choose to uh, be financially free, but it will be right. And I can tell you this, and Dave says it in Financial Peace University. He says, you know what? Broke people are going to make fun of you. Uh, broke people aren't going to understand you, but at the end of it, you're not going to be broke anymore, and they are. So, you know what? That's okay. We don't need to be normal. God didn't call us to be normal. He called us to be free. He called us to follow after him. He called us to be a light to the world, to show the world that there's a new normal, that following God is the new normal. It's the way to live. It's the way to be. It's beautiful. It's countercultural, and it leads down the recovery road, and that's really what God wants for you, and that's what he wants for me, and I'm so excited about what he's doing. So here's what I want us to do. Let's start to put this stuff into practice. Pull out those Connect cards that Ron mentioned earlier. Go ahead and pull them out right now. And uh, I'll give you some ways to apply today's teaching. The first is this. Uh, you know what? You might say, I need to join a Financial Peace University life group. If you do, you can just mark that on there and you can sign up for that group today. There are nine different groups. You'll see them. They're marked as FPU groups, Financial Peace University groups. You can join one of those groups today. We want to pray for you as you're taking that challenge, taking that journey. Some of you need to start living on a budget. All of us need to start living on a budget, but some of you have no idea how to do it. So go ahead and mark down, I want to create and begin living on a budget, and I will send you some resources today, some budget spreadsheets, or this week, some budget spreadsheets, some resources on creating a budget so that you can live this stuff out so you can tell your money where to go. And then finally, the bottom one is the most important one that we could talk about, and that is if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, today is the day for that. See, this recovery road, all the stuff we're talking about, it begins with one choice. One choice. And that is to say to God, God, I am not the leader of my life. I have walked down this road. I've led my own life. And you know where it's gotten me? It's gotten me nowhere great. It might have gotten me somewhere good, but it's gotten me nowhere great. And God, you want great for my life. That's why you made a way for me. It's the one choice that will change everything else. You can implement these things, and you can have a better financial life, but the truth is, if you don't have a relationship with God, none of it really matters in the end. So I'm going to pray in just a minute, and if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said to God, God, I'm not going to lead my life anymore. My life is yours now. I want to accept the invitation that you gave Jesus when you died on the cross and rose again to come into a relationship with God, to experience forgiveness and freedom and healing. If you've never made that choice, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me and to make that choice today. I can guarantee it will change everything in your life if you follow Jesus. It's only through the power of God that we can live these things out in our lives. So join me as we pray this morning. 
Lord, first I want to pray for all of my friends in here. Because if statistics hold true, 70% of us are dealing with financial issues. At least 70% of us are paycheck to paycheck, and, and probably more of us are really struggling with finances. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be the comforter that you promised to be as we make hard decisions. I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to walk these decisions out so we can have financial freedom. I pray for uh, the single parents in the room today who's trying to figure out how they can even do this between childcare and working a job, how they can even begin to set this stuff up. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them reassurance that this is for them and that they can do this. I pray for the husband in the room today who says, if I'm going to start implementing this, I have some hard conversations I need to have with my family, and they're not going to be easy. And the truth is, I am scared to have these conversations. Holy Spirit, would you give that uh, husband and father strength and wisdom encouraged to be able to guide his family to a place of financial freedom, even if it means making hard decisions. I pray for strength and courage for our single folks who are just starting out, that they would fight the temptation for our young people who are in their 20s, they would fight the temptation to get into debt, to be normal, to be broke, and that they would follow after you in this area of life. As we continue to pray, if you've never made a decision to give your life to Christ, today is your day. It's the one decision that will change everything else. So if you've never given your life over to God, I want to tell you God couldn't love you more than he does right now. He loves you with an incredible love. He loves you just the way you are. He wants to enter into your life. He wants to bring healing and wholeness and fullness, and it starts with you inviting him in. So if you've never made that decision, you can pray this simple prayer with me. You can pray, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of doing life on my own. I realize that I need you in my life. God, would you come and would you fill my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you bring me back into relationship with you? I choose today to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.